Our scripture reading comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 13. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and to every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning and we confess that we are a needy people. The things that we need, uh, we can't provide. We turn to you for things like forgiveness, for reconciliation, for a new birth and a new life and a hope and a glory in you. We receive these from your hand by your grace and by your spirit. Even the challenges that we will face this week, we confess that we are inadequate to face. We need the fruit of the spirit in our life. We need patience. We need wisdom. We need love that we cannot produce in ourselves. So we ask that your spirit would be active this morning, shaping us and forming us. We are not ashamed of our need because in our need you are glorified and your power is magnified. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, Rewind the tape with me all the way back to the fall of 1992. And I am moving into my freshman dorm at Houghton College. All of my floor mates, the other freshmen, have these really cool boom boxes. I mean, this is like, you know the height of the boombox era. Really cool boomboxes or, or shelf stereo systems that sound good, they're nice and compact, they fit on top of your dresser or your desk really, really nicely. I didn't have one of those. I brought my massive stereo system. I had, I think at that time, it was an Onkyo receiver and a six-disc changer, and a dual tape deck so that, you know, you could make all your mixtapes that you needed. Uh, I had it all in, in speakers. I had four tower speakers. Yes. So my friend's system sounded good. Mine was fantastic. You could hear it across the campus, you know, as I played my 90s heavy metal music. It was It was awesome. I think it cost more than my truck that I used to transport it to college, but wouldn't have traded it for anything. You know, in terms of the Christian life, I think many of us 
approach it as though it was one of those boom boxes or shelf speakers, shelf stereo systems. All self-contained, all you had to do is plug it right into the wall and it was good to go. In reality, it's more like that component system that I had. The receiver by itself did nothing for you, couldn't use it. The speakers by themselves didn't do anything for you, not like nowadays with the Bluetooth speakers. Uh, If you had the speakers and the receiver together, you could listen to the radio, but the radio's kind of lame. You needed all the components connected together and then plugged into the wall power. The Christian life is, is much more like that. We need components connected together. We need each other. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the church. Sometimes texts are, are really difficult, and you just spend a week just kind of pounding on the text saying, you know, not just give me the truths, but help me to figure out how to organize this passage in a way that I can communicate it well. This week wasn't like that. Last Sunday night, I was driving my son, Jake, or no, it was actually Luke, right? I get my kids confused all the time. Luke to, to youth group. And uh, we're having a conversation, I don't know, probably about basketball or youth group that night. And I said, okay, wait, stop. I need you to text me something right now. Because as we were talking about basketball, the kind of outline for this message came. We can call that the guidance of the Spirit. We can say that maybe I just wasn't really listening to my son Luke very well, and I was thinking about the sermon. But the outline was this, and this is what he texted me. We have four needs. We need the Holy Spirit. We need each other. We need the church. And we need love. So first, from this text, we see that we need the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm phrasing that very intentionally. We need the person of the Holy Spirit because sometimes the way we talk about the Holy Spirit, we imply that he's like this power or this impersonal force, like this Jedi force. But the way Paul talks about the Holy Spirit, he is a person who can be related to, who gives gifts, who has a will, who determines things. We need this person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Paul is absolutely clear that we are utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit in our Christian life. From beginning to middle to end. He says, let me read verses 1 and 2. Weren't read this morning. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans... Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Even confessing Jesus is Lord, in that confession, we are dependent on the Spirit because we cannot, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, make that confession of faith. We are that dependent on him. I think a distinction is is helpful when we're talking about this kind of dependency. We all have the natural ability to make choices, to use our will, to trust things. We do it all the time, right? Uh, I choose Mother Bear's Pizza over Avers. I choose turning right instead of turning left. I I determine by my will that I won't eat four pieces of cake today. We use our power of choice. We use our will. 
we have those capabilities. When God calls us to, to choose Christ, when God calls us to put our trust in him, he's not asking us to do something that we don't have a natural ability to do. He's not asking us to push a 10-ton boulder up a mountain. But we have a moral inability to do it. Because of the fall, because of sin in our lives, we cannot, will not choose Christ. Because our will, our power of choice, our freedom has been impacted by the fall. So we need the Holy Spirit to come and make that a a possibility. Our organs of belief and trust are fallen and broken. And so apart from the Spirit's work, no one can even choose Christ. No one can confess him as Lord. And then beyond that, we need the Spirit to build the church. That's the thrust of what Paul was saying in those verses that were read this morning, verses 4 through 11. It's not like the Holy Spirit. We know the, the story of the church's birth, right, at Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit and his powerful ministry on that day. But it's not as if the Holy Spirit, kind of like a dad giving a kid, a, you know, teaching him how to ride a bike, just gave him a push. He didn't just give the church a push and say, okay, now you, there you go. We are utterly dependent on the Spirit every step of the way to build the church. Because the church is a spiritual institution. It grows by spiritual means. The Word, which is inspired by the Spirit and illuminated by the Spirit. The sacraments, which the Spirit infuses with His presence and His grace. And members of the body who are empowered by the Spirit to carry out ministry. To build the church, we need the Holy Spirit. The spiritual gifts that Paul speaks of in these passages, in this passage, he refers to as manifestations of the spirits or or gifts of the spirit. They are way more than just natural abilities. Remember what Paul had said about the Corinthian church earlier in this series? Not many of you were wise Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were influential. In other words, you didn't have it all together. You didn't have all these things in and of yourself. They are spiritual gifts that go beyond natural ability. And the Holy Spirit not only gives these gifts, he ties all these gifts and he ties all of us together in unity. Throughout this passage, the Apostle Paul is hammering home this theme that there's a lot of different gifts, but the same Spirit. We were baptized through the Spirit into one body. We were given one Spirit to drink, baptized into one Spirit. So much so that if one member hurts, we're so united by the Spirit together, we all hurt. If one rejoices We all rejoice. We're bound together by the Spirit. As we step off into another year of of ministry, I'm so excited about all the different things that we'll be beginning, kicking off in the next couple weeks. 
Let me ask you to please be praying for the Spirit's presence in all of our endeavors because we cannot on our own labor and produce the kind of growth, spiritual growth, numerical growth, you know, add something to that on our own. We need the Spirit and we need you praying that the small group leaders would be moved by the Spirit, that the group would be bound by the Spirit, that those who lead ladies' Bible studies, those who are investing in our youth and in our kids, would be moved and equipped by the Spirit to do the job well. Will you please join me as we step, step off into another season of intense ministry that the Holy Spirit will be working among us and building His church? That's the first need. We need the person of the Holy Spirit. The second need is that we need each other. Uh, I think it was Napoleon Bonaparte, at least he's the one that's uh, credited with this quote, armies march on their bellies. He didn't mean that they crawl on their bellies. He, He meant that they need to be fed as they march. He was acknowledging the interdependency of his armies, of any army. It's not just the people who are marching with muskets or spears or swords. It's the supply chain. It's just as important. It's the mechanics who keep the trucks rolling. It's the cooks who prepare the food that feed the men who go out and do the fighting. He was acknowledging the interdependency of these things, uh, of these aspects of his army, and we, like that, are interdependent. We depend on one another. Consider a few of the words that Paul uses here, each. To each is given the manifestation, a manifestation of the Spirit. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, me? I don't know that I really have a spiritual gift. Let me put this as bluntly as I can. God doesn't lie. He said you do. To each has been given a manifestation of the Spirit. To each has been given a spiritual gift. Maybe you don't know what yours is. Let me encourage you to investigate. To think about it prayerfully. There are spiritual gift inventories that you could take. I'm not a huge fan of those because, frankly, they're limited by your experience. Maybe you think, I'm not a good teacher. Well, maybe it's because you've never taught. I'm not very hospitable. Well, maybe it's because you haven't had the opportunity to open your home. Better than those spiritual gift inventories are stepping out and actually serving. Looking where there's need and saying, I'll go there. I'll do that. Spirit, will you equip me to do it well? We each have been given a manifestation of the Spirit. But there's another important word. In the NIV, it comes as different kinds. In the ESV, it's varieties. There's a variety of gifts. We're not all gifted in the same way. In Paul's metaphor, we're not all hands. We're not all eyes. We're not all ears. What would the church look like if that was true? We were all given the gift of teaching. Well, that might be fine if the church was a school. But the church is so much more than merely a school. 
If we all had the gifts of mercy or compassion, that would be great if the church was a hospital for the spiritually sick. And it is that, but it is more than that. If we all had the gifts of administration, that would be great if the church was merely an institution. It is an institution, but it's more than that. We need all of these gifts working together in concert, unified by the Holy Spirit, moving towards one end, the glory of Christ. Each gift given to each member has been doled out by the Holy Spirit to foster this interdependence because we need each other. Paul says, if the whole body was an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body was a, an ear, where would the sense of smell be? To be a whole healthy body, we need each member using their gifts to build the body together. Another really important phrase in this section is for the common good. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit, not so that their pride is built up, not so that they get those pats on the back that Nate was talking about, but for the common good. How many cults of personalities, how many factions How many wounds have been inflicted because we have forgotten that truth? That our gifts are given for the common good. Not for my own kingdom building, but for the kingdom of God and building it. There is no room then for ambition or disappointment that I don't have the gift I really wanted. Paul does say, desire the greater gifts in verse 31. By that, he means the gifts that are going to serve the body best. Where there's need, desire the greater gifts. Because we're each given a manifestation of the Spirit, we're called to use it. We're called to use these gifts. We don't give each other gifts unless it's a plaque or a picture and expect it just to go on the shelf, right? We give each other gifts to use. The Holy Spirit has given us gifts to use. It can be really disheartening to stand up and have to give pleas. Say, you know what? We really, 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 really need people to step up and help in the nursery. Because there are so many qualified, gifted people who could be serving. You've been given a gift. Step out and serve. Use that gift. The third need is we need the church. I think, didn't you just say that? We need each other. No, I'm not saying the same thing. I'm not just saying we need each other. We need the church. We need the church. My son, Luke, I'm using you a lot, Luke. He's up in the sound booth today. Went through a phase where he was obsessed with Power Rangers. We had buckets of Power Ranger toys and Halloween costumes. And if you don't know what the Power Rangers are, they're like Voltron from the 80s. And if you don't know what Voltron is, I really question what you've been doing with your life. Uh, <laughs> There's this thing called YouTube. Go check it out. Uh, Both these shows are built on the premise that there's these heroes and they have these 
gifts, these powers, these robots that they can use to fight the bad guys. And they're all really powerful and really cool, shaped like animals or dinosaurs or vehicles. But when it gets bad, these vehicles, these robots come together and form Voltron or the Megazord, this big, powerful robot. And the important thing is that together, they are more than the sum of their parts. When I say we need the church, the church is more than just the sum of its parts. The church is an institution that has been granted the keys to the kingdom. It was to the church that Jesus promised the gates of hell will not prevail. The church stewards the gospel, handing it down from the earliest Christians down through the centuries, and we as the church steward it so that we can hand it off to the next generation. We need the church. God conceived of the church. It was his idea. He gave birth to the church. Christ died for the church. He laid out the structures of the church. And through the centuries, the Holy Spirit has been calling men and women, appointing them, anointing them to be leaders and servants of the church. Why? Because we need the church. Paul uses the body metaphor. Let me press it a little bit. Christ is the head of the church. If I'm a foot, or maybe a pinky toe on the foot, how grotesque of an image is it to have the pinky toe growing out of the head? That's not how the body is constructed. I am connected to Christ through the body, the church. There is a trend, and I would like to say horrible trend, to conceive of Christianity apart from the church. One man, who I won't call out by name, said that the largest segment, the larger segment of Americans who are currently leaving churches because they want more of God in their life, but cannot get what they need from the local church. He's saying, you're a little toe, just plug right into the head. You're a component of the stereo, that's okay, just plug yourself right into the wall. That's not how the church is constructed, that's not how we are constructed. I understand the church at its best days is imperfect. But I also know the church on its worst days is still essential. We need the church. To quote the early church father Cyprian, No one can have God as his father who does not have the church as his mother. Oh, that was a really long time ago. Westminster Confession of Faith, the visible church is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the house and family of God, outside of which there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. We need the church. John Stott, the grandfather of all evangelicals, one of his, my favorite quotes by him, an unchurched Christian is a grotesque anomaly. 
The New Testament knows nothing of such a person, for the church lies at the very center of the eternal purposes of God. It is not a divine afterthought. We need the church. We live in a day and age where so many professing Christians self-excommunicate from the church. Excommunication used to be the, the, the height of church discipline, reserved for the, the worst offenses. People would be excommunicated in hopes that handing them over to Satan, pushing them outside of the church, they would be so overwhelmed that they would repent and come back. Now, so many are self-excommunicating, cutting themselves off from the body of Christ and just sending themselves out into the world. It's dangerous. It's unbiblical. We need the church. Maybe there's some here this morning thinking, do I really survive the pandemic on my own without coming to church? Do I need that you need the church? Don't take my word for it. Take Christ's word for it. That's the third need. I got real heavy real quick. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Fourth need, we need love. We need love. Starting in verse 31, Paul says, And yet I will show you a more excellent way. He's just outlined all the spiritual gifts and how important they are and the importance of the church. Now I will show you a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give my body to hardship, and that's a horrible translation. What Paul says is if I give my body over to the fire to be burned... But I don't have love, I gain nothing. When I say we need love, I'm not using the passive voice. We need to be loved. Talk about the active voice. Actively, we need to extend love, lead with love, follow through with love. Paul says all the gifts that I've mentioned, prophecy, tongues, Faith, they're all meaningless. They're nothing without love. Deeds of giving, if I sell all I have and and give it to the poor, that's a very loving thing to do, right? But he's not just talking about loving acts. He's talking about genuine, God-given, spirit-wrought affections. I'm not doing it out of love. It's nothing. Even if I hand myself over to martyrdom, to being burned at the stake, and have not love, I am nothing. I think that's something the American church needs to constantly be reminding themselves of. I think we've forgotten this. We've treated the other, fill in the blank what the other is for you, as enemy, as someone to be shouted down, kept out, ridiculed, hated, blamed. We've forgotten love. If we want our churches 
to be more effective, if we want the church of Christ to be more effective, we need love. We need to find our love again. Everything I've said this morning is strikingly countercultural. I've said you're not self made, you can't do it on your own, you need an institution, the church. You don't have everything you need to be successful in the Christian life on your own. You should serve others, not just yourself. And when you serve, don't do it for acclaim or applause. Do it for the common good. Do something for someone, for a cause bigger than yourself. Even how we understand love is different from the culture around us. Let me just say, choose God's way. I know it's different Choose God's way, accept your need, and thank God for supplying it. Will you pray with me? Father, we are grateful that you have, frankly, constructed us in a way that we have needs. Because there is joy in depending on you. There is freedom in realizing it is not all up to us. We need your spirit. To be effective, we need the gifts that he gives. We need the fruit that he provides. We thank you. We pray that you would supply every need that we have, both in our individual, personal Christian lives and corporately. In Jesus' precious name, amen.